Welcome to the Boss Bitch Show podcast. We are very excited and honored to have with us Megan Ixum, also known as the fabulous Miss Giggles. Oh my goodness. She is, I'm going to say, she is your pronoun, yes? Yes, that's my pronoun. Who knows? Hey, I love she that. is a gorgeous, I'm going to say entrepreneur, positive, pleasurist, pleasure, positivist, social media maven, plus size model, I'm going to say, and okay. just general boss bitch. So welcome. And please tell us what makes you a boss bitch. Oh my God. What an intro. It was like. You know, I feel like people are going to investigate me and be like, okay, she's okay. But no, (laughs) I definitely appreciate that. That was wonderful. Um, What makes me a boss bitch is I get shit done. Yeah. Like, I feel like anything that I've wanted to try or do in my life, I've fucking done, which I think, you know, if there is anything to be said about being a boss bitch, I think Mm -hmm. that's it. Like, when you look at something, you're like, I want to do that. I want to be that. And then you work really hard and get a little bit of luck and it works out. Word. I love that. I love that. I saw a great Instagram meme today that, <laughs> um, you know, I love the memes. You know, sometimes IG comes through. I got to be honest. When they're not it, being fat phobic assholes. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Misogynist nipple hating, whatever. Um, It said manifesting isn't dreaming and wishing. Manifesting is deciding and acting. And you know what? I gotta say, and I feel like I I will say this. I feel like that can be a double-edged sword because a lot of the time when I finally do something, I'm like, I could have done this so long ago. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Where it's like, oh, I can totally do this. And I spent so much time doubting whether I could. And then when you finally do it, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, that that happened with the second one woman show that I wanted to do that. I was like, I had all these plans to do it in Fire Island and I was hemming and hawing over it. And then one day I just sat in front of the cloisters and wrote the fucking thing. And then I was like, oh, I don't know that I want to do this show anymore. You build it up in your head. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Well, I think like, you know, sometimes we're our worst adversaries where it's like, you know, it's, we dilly dally or we're like, we'll eventually get to it or it's not in our scope. And like, you know, how dare we even try? And like, I'm somebody that definitely has had a lot of imposter syndrome Mm. and decided that I was just going to fake it till you make it with Mm -hmm. almost anything. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to pretend that I do know what I'm doing. And then hopefully on the journey, I'm going to figure it out. Yes. So I interrupted you with that dumb IG meme, but tell us more about yourself and what makes you a boss bitch. I mean, I love an IG meme. I'm like a mean queen. So, you know, no interruption, no apology necessary. And, you know, I think for me, you know, being a boss bitch is being always firm, but fair. I like Mm. to think that, you know, I am the same with almost everyone. I approach my work as 
you know, I try to focus on work that brings me joy and gives back to the community and also, you know, pays my bills and allows me to support myself, you know, being a strong, independent woman, you know, independent woman by Beyonce plays in the background. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, for me, it's also, you know, especially when it comes to social media, I feel like I have created a platform where it truly is a representation of me. It's not some fake persona. It's not me trying to be something I'm not. And I create content that I appreciate and enjoy and allows me to have honest and real conversations about some really deep topics. Ooh, I love that. I gotta be honest. I don't always love creating social media content. So like that is, that's like, you should be really proud of that to like enjoy the process and like enjoy what you create like that. Wow. I'm not there yet. No, and that's okay. It's definitely a journey. But I think now that I am established and I also, it's not my full-time job. I'm not mm-hmm. a full-time content creator for my mm-hmm. personal brand. I definitely consider myself more of an activist than that. And I definitely, you know, have way too many opinions and scare off way too many brands to be a full-time content creator. But I think that that allows me the freedom to actually be authentic and, you know, kind of stir the pot a little bit, which I enjoy doing mm. and uh, push boundaries, be sex positive, fat positive, you know, focus on inclusivity and really talk about things that make me and bring me joy and also piss me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. I took Megan's posing class. Yeah. Um, that, you know, through, you know, Jack Francis, my former comedy partner, uh, she helped me a lot to sort of curate my social media presence mm. and to, you know, I've always been body positive, been going to the nude beach since I'm 19, but finding a way to present that to the public in a way that felt good to me was kind of new. And then doing that class with you sort of just fed into that and, and added to what I kind of was already doing. Like, oh, okay, there's, there's no right way to be sexy. There's no right way to, there's no wrong way to, you know, share whatever I want to share. You know, yeah. like the other day I was in like watermelon underwear and I oh, thought, I love that. this is fun. I want to share this with the world. <laughs> and I turned myself around. So there was like a profile of my breast and my booty and I gave myself a back spasm, but uh, <laughs> doing risking it all for the grab what but, you want? it was totally worth it and as kismet would have it I had my humidifier on so it looked like there was smoke coming out of my pussy it was great love that. we love that <laughs> oh I love that you know your like, pussy is smoking for sure Thank you. we're making a spectacle yeah. you know the performance piece it's nudes this posing I love a um, spectacle yeah, I think that was one of my favorite things coming out of COVID was hosting these like really fun classes where it was like, hey, like the hardest part is getting yourself in front of the camera. And then from there, you know, being like, all right, so let's get weird with it. That's usually my biggest encouragement where it's like, you know, I really want people to get away this idea of what's flattering because there's no such thing as flattering. It's mm. what is with our personal perception Mm -hmm. and then trying to create 
something unique, interesting, and having fun with posing and getting in touch with your bodies and finding that. And, you know, if it takes, you know, some watermelon undies and some smoke pussy shots, you know, (laughs) one time I dressed up as baby Yoda and I was like playing with a dildo as a lightsaber. And I was like, this is it. This is, this is a great, great moment for me. I love it. I think there was one point you were naked in a bathroom eating pizza. Yes, there was. (laughs) And it was glorious. I loved it so much. Yeah. That's one of my favorite photos. And I think it's amazing because it was like this absurd bathroom with like disco tiles. So one Mm. of my love languages is hotel rooms with big bathtubs. (sighs) I can put my whole body in. So my partner actually like looked up like the top five hotel bathrooms in New <gasps> York City and booked it for us for like a romantic getaway. And I was what like, a guy. Oh. Yeah, he's a good one. He's a keeper. And so I was like, you know, what would be sick? Us drinking champagne from the bottle and eating some like dollar New York slices in this bathtub. Oh that's yeah. What, and that's what luxury is. <laughs> mm. Yes. I love that. Yeah, that was why I was saying pleasure positive earlier, because I was thinking about it before we jumped on. I'm like, you really show the world that we should be enjoying pleasure, whether that be through sex or food or self-expression or, you know, I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, for me, life is so difficult already. Mm. And, you know, that we're all on our own journeys. We're all on our own, you know, paths. And for me, it's like, I want to tap into the idea that like, no matter what you look like, who you are, where you come from, there's a fundamental fact that you are entitled to pleasure and that you are allowed to seek those things. And for me, My pleasures have always been enjoying a fantastic meal, traveling to somewhere that kind of challenges me and is unique Mm. or, you know, finding pleasure within my body and, you know, spending the afternoon in bed and seeing how many orgasms I can have in a day before tapping out. And it's things that are tangible and they don't necessarily have to include other people or you know the mindset of like you're not deserving it's like no like things that are these simple pleasures that Mm. you are allowed to enjoy and you you know should focus on finding those ways of expression but yeah I definitely am like queen of indulgence I'm all like more 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 Mm. more more. I'm a brat you know more is more (laughs) yes I'm a showgirl at heart. So more is always more More feathers, more Mm. sequins, more, more T, more A. We love it. Yes. If I could be like the fat lady Gaga, that would be it. If I could be like a pop star, that would Mm. be, you know, the pseudo dream. Except I would be famous. I am dying to watch uh, Lizzo's new documentary on uh, HBO Max. Oh, and it's yeah. uh it's following like I think her latest tour god it looks fabulous I can't wait yes I think I saw a preview and for me like Lizzo is a great example of how like fat does not equate unhealthiness because yes. Lizzo can fucking outrun all of us and not only plays a flute which takes a lot of work and effort and like breathing but then twerks while playing a flute and I'm like do you see anyone else doing that no, I adore her. I adore her. Yeah. 
a friend of mine just posted about it. I had seen it advertised last night when I was watching White Lotus. I hope you're all watching. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking good. Um, <laughs> but I saw it advertised. And then a friend of mine who I used to do dance gigs with, she commented, uh, you know, please watch this. She's in it. And she had never experienced. She's a woman of color. And she's like, I have in all my years dancing, I've never experienced an all black cast. and. Mm-hmm. She was like, and it was my, it was her retirement tour oh and God. her retirement performance rather. And what a way to go out. She was like, I've never experienced anything like that. And it's, it's just, you know, it just like proves the point of like how incredibly powerful and important representation is and not tokenism, like yes. real representation. Um, I had an interesting conversation uh, with Christine Pinero the other day too she was talking to me about someone who had gone to an improv jam and didn't realize that the jam that night was only for people of color. And this person was a white person and was super miffed when they gave her a very strong no of like, sorry, you can watch, you can watch, but you can't join. And it's, um, you know, and I've said this you know, to Rachel several times in so many of our conversations, but like part of uh, part of our place, especially as like white women, you know what I mean? Part of our place and definitely for white sister, you know, straight men, you have to be willing to give up your spot. You have to be willing to make room for others that haven't had a place as much as you have. And God bless this, this woman sent an email to the theater. It was oh, like, oh, God, no, Karen. <laughs> no, Karen. girl, no, girl, no matter how it was handled, you got to sit down, sit down, sit Sorry, down. Karen. Sorry. Oh, my God. I just no. can't imagine showing up to a place like that, understanding that it was supposed to be. Well, I don't know all the details, time. but I think she didn't know. But regardless, you know, if someone's like, hey, this is a space for us, you're welcome to watch, but not participate. It's like just that assumption that like we're allowed to occupy every space. And Mm. it's like, no, 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 not. We got to make room. Yes. Yes. So. mm. Well, you know, it's like when I uh, was asked to audition for In the Heights years ago, you know, and I did it, but would I do it today? No, I wouldn't. No. You know, this was many years ago when it was like, you know, if you were ethnically ambiguous, go for it, you know? And now right. it's like, no, <laughs> let's, let's give let's it to, allow. let's yeah. actually give it to someone of, you know, Latin descent, you know, that's okay. Me. Let's so move aside. I'm ready to audition for In the Heights, guys. Oh yeah. Bottom all in right here. Oh, I'm certainly extremely guilty of that in the past where I was like, oh, I can pass. I can, you know, and like, you know, wedged my way into something and it's cringe. It's cringe to look back and you live, you learn and you try to do better and you admit to your mistakes. And um, I definitely, when I first moved to New York City, not knowing what it was, auditioned for The Wiz. really embarrassing no. <laughs> and my vocal coach was like really 
I think he didn't want to like press the issue. And I was like, yeah, it's like Wizard of Oz, right? Good God. (laughs) You've never watched the Wiz. I was a ballerina. I was like so sheltered and I had no idea what it was. That's amazing. That's really that interesting. Is, that I wish. So, like, did anyone say anything? No, nope, no one said anything. Nope, they let you audition? No. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible. They but talked about you afterwards, but you know. I'm certain of it. <laughs> I am certain that they did. Oh. Um. Or the time that I claimed I could crump, and uh, that's geez, what- when they when they called my number for all the crumpers. Wow, that was a, that's on tape somewhere. That is, (laughs) there's a video of that somewhere for all posterity of me attempting to crump. I would love to see it, actually. It's probably so funny. Um, Yeah, I I would love to see that too. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I was part of a production of a show called Amazing Grace that actually was about slavery and through dance, right? It was through the Vissy Dance uh, Theater Company. And I had created, talking about manifesting, right? I had created as part of my vision board that year that I wanted to dance more. And then here this thing came up and I was like, okay. But I played one of the white people, you know, who were, you know, enslaving the slaves you know and you know but I got to like pop and lock in some scenes and I was very excited but it worked within the context of the show you know because I was very excited because you know I'm not a trained dancer but you know I I I just in your dreams of course I I just really, uh, I wonder if you have pop and locking slave owner on your special skills. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. No, but that's great. That's wonderful. Someone's got to play that role. I mean, I often wonder about that with actors where you have to play just like truly evil people or people that participated in really terrible things. And it's like, where do you go to emotionally to access that? It's... Well, it was really fun when I auditioned for Parade and the part that they wanted me to go in for was the woman who sings the song about her child who they are accusing the Jewish man of raping her. And then she ends the song going, Jew. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I had her dig real deep for that one. That was a good time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We get asked to do a lot of crazy shit as actors. <laughs> we really do. Yeah. Santa! I went to Catholic school for, um, but I also was in musical theater. So it was always a very interesting dichotomy because our director was a lesbian <laughs> at Catholic school. And I remember trying, I had to get special permission to sing a song from Rent at a competition because it was two lesbians you know, not knowing, not identifying as queer yet, by the way, but I just remember having to walk into the principal's office and be like, can I sing this, you know, song from Rent about uh, queer people? And of course they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. We don't care. Bye. (laughs) Get out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing all of that like crazy stuff in the media right now about like, don't say gay and that like, anything pertaining to like queerness is grooming and grooming, it's just yeah. so oh my god if I have so to grooming crazy because the the main places where people get groomed are churches like get out of here come on like the catholic church they 
they uh, it has been like proven yes. on a worldwide level that it is like the most like dangerous and violent place for children like get out of here and you're worried about drag queen story time get out of here oh my goodness but they're all about like this quote-unquote indoctrinating but yet you know, drag queen story hour at the local libraries indoctrinated, but yet forcing your nine-year-old to go to Hooters and suffocating them with heterosexual normity, you know, right. is not indoctrinating. Which right. Is or very make, clear yeah. or making girls like, you know, go to a purity dance. Like, oh, oh yeah, with God. their fathers. Dance with their fathers and their fathers oh. give them a ring. I this know. is a real thing. Their fathers give them a ring to like swear their purity until marriage. I mean, so gross. And to bring it back to pleasure, you know, it's this really interesting thing that women and girls and, you know, femme identifying or like uterus owners are taught, we're taught about purity and pregnancy and STDs way before we're taught about pleasure, cl the clitoris anything. We are taught that our bodies are for use. They are for use. They are for a service before they are for us. They're for, they're for everybody else before they're for us. I mean, I never even learned about the clitoris in school. Never even learned that that could be a source of pleasure or orgasm. That was never communicated to me. Yeah. I think we just talked about the reproductive system and like condoms. Right. I didn't even have that, but I did have a very cool nurse because I went to Catholic school, even though I'm not a Catholic and they were not allowed to teach you anything about your sexual organs, safe sex, the existence of condoms, nothing. There was no conversation. Our health class was literally talking about like how to not catch the flu and what to do with a broken bone. And there was at one point my sophomore year where I was in theology class, which is taught by a nun. And she said that the nurse, there's an ongoing like epidemic of flu and the nurse is gonna have a private conversation with us to talk about like how to take care of that. Fast forward to the nurse waiting for the nun to walk out of the room, close the door and she's like, listen, I'm going to say this as an adult to you. If you have anything of an issue, if you need condoms and you need to have a conversation with a safe adult, my room is always open. Just know that this conversation right now didn't happen, but that I'm a safe place for you to come. And I remember that so distinctive. And I was like, she is a fucking badass because she literally could have lost her job for that. And what an it angel. Really felt like a person that you could go to, you know, even if it was like menstrual issues or, you know, you were concerned about something going on with your body, you know, STDs, mm -hmm. things like that. And, you know, that to me, even though I didn't have health or any wellness besides what I was luckily learning at home because my mom's a nurse practitioner. So I always had the exposure to it otherwise, but it was very, very clear that like this person knew that she had to go against the administration and help out 15-year-olds that have no idea yes. that this exists. Oh you know, my God. the pull-out method doesn't actually protect you from pregnancy. Right. <laughs> right. I just heard a really, there was a recent study that came out um, uh, regarding abortion. And, uh, you know, of course, like the right-wingers and evangelicals are all about like, 
oh, you know, there's all of these, you know, late term abortions, like, you know, they're like (laughs) having partial birth abortions (laughs) and all this shit. So they did a recent, a recent study and the top demographic that has late term abortions are children because I mean, and there's a multitude of reasons for that. There's, you know, shame from, you know, probably being sexually assaulted or sexually abused. They don't know their bodies yet. They're children. They don't yes, know, they know that they were what's pregnant. happening, what's changing. They don't know that they're pregnant. Maybe there's, you know, places where they live where they have to get parental consent to even see like a doctor. So like there's all these barriers to care. And that is the top demographic. So it's like, have that, have that little fact in your pocket when people start talking about abortion rights. Yeah. Oh my God. It's exhausting. I mean, the term late term abortion is a marketing ploy by right wing suppress, like, you know, those people, almost every single human that I'm aware of has had an abortion after five months because of a medical issue. And that is the thing about the term abortions is that even if it's a medical procedure, it still has the term abortions, even if it is medically necessary. And that's how they get these crazy statistics, even though the fact of the matter is, is that, yes, it's technically an abortion, it fits under abortion, but it's something that the fetus wasn't viable or, you know, there was... It's things right. like that. And that's what drives me absolutely nuts is that they're not even using the right medical terminology. It needs like, it yeah. And we need to update that. That needs to be updated. I mean, even like with an ectopic pregnancy, you know, like for our listeners, for a pregnancy that happens in the fallopian tubes, which will never yeah. be viable. And if it continues and is not removed, it will burst the fallopian tube and kill the person Ooh, causing yeah. internal, causing internal bleeding. When they remove that, fertilized egg it is like billed to insurance as an abortion so all of these laws pertaining to abortions are putting barriers to to that procedure and like that you have a small window of time to intercept that i mean it's just crazy yeah Yeah. crazy because now with those ectopic pregnancies, we have states like Texas and Louisiana where doctors are horrified to even do the procedure for fear that the government will yes. jail them or yep. sue them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because the um, language is so vague. Around. Right. Right. Yeah. And there was, um, I was, I was real, I went real deep on like feminist tick, tick. (laughs) Yeah. The statistic was, um, the developed nations. Um, I think we're like, I mean, look this up people, but we're like third on like the list for United States for one of the most dangerous places in the world for women. And for various reasons for violence against women, for our barriers to healthcare, like that is, that's tragic. Truly tragic. I, I, I had a get together. I think it was last year of friends in the building. And uh, some of them are maybe not as exposed to life. I don't know the internet, anything, um, <laughs> you know, and they're very sweet and generous, lovely, whatever. But I was speaking about, I believe it was rape. Um, I don't know, maybe, uh, coerced sex as you know one version of it and he very innocently the husband and this couple was like oh that no 
no. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? He's like, I just don't see how, how, how that could be. And I was like, what? what? He was like, well, I would never do that. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like wow. you don't walk home at night looking behind you, wondering if someone wants to rob, rape, or kill you like I do. You just don't. You just don't have to walk around in the world the way that I do. And I'm not asking for your pity, but I'm asking for like your understanding and to step maybe outside of your own personal experience and how you operate in the world to know that like, yeah, the world is kind of set up like not for women to be safe, right? you know, yeah. or, res- or respected most of the time. <laughs> and I, I think that that's a really interesting topic to just bring up because I think people don't realize how often rape is because it's such a horrifying topic. But when you have those honest conversations with other vagina happers, and I think one of the things I realized was almost every other friend, let's say one out of two, either was sexually assaulted or raped. And I think that that statistic alone should be horrifying because when I had these conversations, I was like, oh my goodness, every single person that identifies as either a woman or non-binary in my life has at least been assaulted without, you know, any recourse or anything. Mm -hmm. And that number is just staggering. I forget the exact number, but I think, you know, we're at the point of which I think six out of 10 women have said that they've been sexually assaulted or raped. And then, Uh, you know, every time this conversation comes up, there's always the topic from cis males that are claiming the like Johnny Depp, Amber Heard roles. And when in actuality, 95% of rapes that have happened never actually received justice. And only 5% of all rape accusations are proven false. 5%. Yeah. Mm. I mean, just criminals in general tend to be men. I mean, (laughs) out of all of the shootings this year, which they were, I think, 606, not a single one was done by a woman. Right. No one talks about that. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. It's an epidemic. And, you know, I was actually watching another TikTok video. A lot of TikToks. Lots of TikToks. I love the TikToks. She loves it. She loves it. I go deep. I go deep. I send everyone like 400 videos and they hate me. I love that. it's very curated if you get in there. So I, I watch uh, it about once a month. I'll go in and I'll give myself about 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to watch Kirsten's 400 videos. Like TikTok time. <laughs> so yeah, this woman was talking about, I think she's an author. And she was talking about the idea that women are, are starting to talk about that, like their displeasure in dating And their displeasure in sex is a lot of the time because it's unkind and a lot of the time because it's violent. And like, there is nothing inherently, and it really hit the nail on the head for me because I haven't dated in like a year, like a year and a half, almost two years. And the truth of why is because the last three experiences I had were either incredibly unkind or violent. They were violent. Like how many men can say 
that they that can say that about their dating experience. I don't know. I don't know. Probably not nearly the same amount. Yeah. So to uh, continue that thought. So, you know, I love these videos. Like you can go so deep with like the stitches. So it's like one person stitched one person. And then, oh, and yeah. then there was another woman who, uh, and I'm, I think she's either Canadian or American. I'm not sure. Another author. And she was comment. She lives in France now. And she was commenting on the cultural difference of when she was single and like on Tinder and the cultural difference of dating American men versus European men. And she was casually dating at the time when she was on Tinder. And so like these were casual interactions and casual sex that she was seeking. And she said that rarely would the American men make it through her vetting process. And she was like, because I would always get an inkling of violence as a country, like our country is built on violence. It's built on slavery. Like it's literally a part of our beginnings and our culture. And it, you know, from shootings to dating, like violence just permeates our culture and violence among men just really permeates our culture and is so socially acceptable. It's normalized. Yeah, very much so. And it's so interesting. Like I see my, um, my sister-in-law and my brother, you know, raising their two boys and how differently they're doing it. And it's so, that is one thing that's like very encouraging to like hear them, you know, when they get upset, they're like, okay, tell us you're having big feelings. Tell us about your big feelings. Tell us what happened. And then they, they say everything that happened and this happened and I fell and I felt really scared and hurt. And she listens and holds space and he's okay. And then he feels better because he got to like express emotion, express (laughs) himself instead of reacting and hitting, you know, or like becoming violent or, you know, being reactive. Like he's learning to identify his feelings. And that's just that, that is one thing that is very encouraging. And then I see a lot of parents who don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> they're not like, your kid's going to be a fucking nightmare. I mean, I'm not a parent, but oh. I mean, I know somebody who will not tell their child no. And I'm like, no is a boundary. It's okay to say no every yes. once in a while. You oh my know, God, like, what a nightmare. That sounds, I'm like, you're literally setting up your child for failure because the world has boundaries. The world has rules. Like yes. you can create this little bubble. But I also think that like, it's great that we are exploring these topics of like, you know, we need to make sure that our children understand that you are allowed to express emotion and you're allowed to feel emotional, but you don't get to hurt people because you're feeling hurt. And Mm. I really think that that's a lesson that, especially as an American society, you know, we have this idea of masculinity and what it's supposed to be. And that's you know, stems from some of the reasons why we're having these issues is that, you know, first off, we don't have the mental resources that we need. We do not, you know, have access to healthcare across the board, and we do not put an emphasis on our mental health. You know, we even talk down on it, dependent on, you know, where you exist. And I think that, you know, if we actually invested in infrastructure of taking care of our humans that exist in this country, then maybe we wouldn't have all of these issues that all of us are dealing with, whether we're dealing with it directly or indirectly, right. you know, to the conversation you're having, it's like, 
us as women shouldn't feel like our lives are at risk every time we go on a first date. Right. And that's in actuality what is happening. I mean, I think that this idea of having this vetting program is great. You know, I used to do something where I'd give instructions and I also put, okay, and you have to tell me what your favorite color is. And then if they didn't put their favorite color, I was like, oh, well, they don't follow directions. Why would I trust them around me? Mm, As simple as that is, right? As simple. Yes. Because I didn't even be bothered to read through the entire thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, if, if there are some uh, men out there that are listening that feel like they don't, this doesn't apply to them. Like, come at me, you know, like, please, you know, but I just, I've just encountered just so many men. I was, you know, who I was talking to today, Rach, I was talking to Donna, our receptionist at our, our mutual chiropractor, who's a riot. And she's so funny. And we were just, we were talking about somehow we got on the conversation of like periods and then it was dating. And then And I was like, yeah, it just seems that there's this cultural shift happening where I won't speak for all men, but where some, you know, cis straight men are realizing that women, you know, societally have gotten to a point where we don't need men. We don't. We're like we Mm -hmm. a lot of us, a lot of us have our independence and are able to make our way by ourselves and enjoy our lives very much. So it's like we don't need you, but we might want you. Yep. And if that's the case, like, what are you doing? You know, like, are you working on yourself? Are you going to therapy? Like, do you know how to emotionally regulate? Like, do you, are you doing the work? Like what's happening? <laughs> and yeah. there's pushback. There's this major, major pushback. Um, and, and a lot of it, I mean, um, I was watching this other video about, uh, how they've like all of these 1950s values that are kind of being regurgitated recently of like a soft woman and like a submissive woman and like all of these, oh, like yes. I want her at home, like cooking and cleaning for me and her pearl necklace and heels. And and these are men that are making like $30,000 a year. LOL. <laughs> yeah. Themselves. Um, and anyway. Like, <laughs> and not only that, so like a lot of the resurgence of like these 1950s, like cultural values that men are wanting it's like if we look back in the 1950s like that was spoon fed through like commercials and through media and through television after world war ii when all the men went to war and women started doing their jobs and we all realized oh women can do those jobs and make their own money and they don't need you because you were gone for however many months years and then when they came back, it was like, oh, no, we don't have that free domestic labor anymore at home. So we got to we got to change this um, this narrative. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think like the biggest thing is like, oh, also women didn't have access to bank accounts. And people love to talk about this idea of divorce just popping off and family values being gone in the 70s. And it was because women finally were allowed to open their own banking in the 70s. Not because of moral, you know, indignity. It literally was because, oh, women are allowed to do things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have I have a joke in 
my stand-up about um, in the turn of the century, late 1800s, early 1900s, women, they invented the women's bicycle. They invented the women's bicycle. Prior to that, it didn't accommodate the skirt. It didn't have like the slope in it to accommodate the skirt. And there were only men's bicycles with the bar straight across and there were tandem bicycles. So if you wanted to ride a bicycle, you had to ride one with a man in the front. And so they created the women's bicycle. And so women started bicycling. And this was very scary because that meant they had like a mode of transportation. transportation. They had a way way to get away. And so doctors- doctors came up with a fake illness called bicycle face (laughs) in which they warned they warned women that if they cycled too much they would get flushed under eye circles and have general weariness and then they they lied and said that they that cycling would give them goiters and inflammation exercise Gives you the opposite of goiters. And if anything, that bicycle seat probably stimulated them better than their husbands wow. did. <laughs> go down a little, go down a little rough road, you know? <laughs> well, speaking of the, uh, you know, the vetting system, you know, I will typically do like a text exchange or on the app. And then if I'm liking where things are going, then I'll graduate to a phone conversation to see if you're an actual human that knows how to have a conversation. Not a bot. And at that point, then maybe we can go out because I'm like, you know, do you know how to communicate? Do you know how to conduct yourself? I mean, I was texting with this one guy and he was getting, I don't mind like if you're witty and you give me some like double entendres and we're kind of speaking around something or if you kind of go there but you like you know ask permission or you're like hey I'm sorry if I'm being too forward and I'm like okay you have self-awareness okay Mm -hmm. fine 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 but this one guy we were we were texting and he said something and it was like total just like boobs you know penis you know it was just like overt like what are you 12 you know right no tack, no nuance, no nothing. And I said, Hey, take it easy. And he goes, what do you mean? Take it easy. I didn't know you were so uptight. And I was like, excuse me. Sorry. If I like enjoy courtship and I enjoy sort of a -a tete-a-tete, you know, back and forth talking around something rather than hitting it you know, squarely over the head and just being obnoxious, I want to see that you're actually interested in getting to know me as a person and can be respectful. And he was like, oh, you found that comment disrespectful? Wow. Aren't you fucking uptight and nuts? Like, wow. Glad I didn't waste my time. And I was like, yeah, glad I didn't waste my time. Clearly cannot take a boundary. I'm like trying to gaslight me and say that by me creating very simple boundaries of like, how about you speak to me as an adult, as a woman and not like some teenage fucking jerk off fantasy, then, oh my God. It really, it really blows my mind. And it's like, have you never heard of these terms like boundaries, gaslighting, negging, like, do you? Like, where are you? Where are you in the zeitgeist? Like, I don't understand. And that's like, I mean, and thank God, thank God you didn't continue with that because that, that is such a small boundary. And I wonder what other boundaries he doesn't. Oh, absolutely. 
I don't understand this idea of like men trying to have sex with people and not understanding that we probably would want to have sex with someone we can have an actual conversation, even if it's casually. I happen to like to have casual sex where I'm not mm. expecting a relationship with somebody who I can talk to for five minutes. I, I yeah. feel like that's not asking a lot. Well, and there were so many years when I was like, you know, actively poly that, you know, I was poly before it was cool. Right. You know, before it was like mainstream and like on every television show and everyone had ENM on their fucking profile, you know, it's like, Oh, oh God. So over it. And it was like, half the reason I like going to play parties is because I would have some of the most interesting conversations with people. We would be talking Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, I have a joke about that too, where it's like, I, that was the best part was like, I was talking to communication ninjas, you know, where it was like, we are just tickling each other's brains. And then, oh, by the way, I'll be right back. Oh, and then he comes back and he's like, I just asked my wife if I could have permission to have sex with you. And she said, yes. Would you like to go downstairs and have sex with me? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That would be great. Best one is I actually ended up in the hot tub at a play party and I talked with this wonderful woman for an hour and a half about scrapbooking, literal <laughs> scrapbooking. Yes. And we're like, oh, did you go to Michael's? Oh, did you go to Joanne's? Did you collect this type of sticker? And then after an hour and a half, I was like, do you want to go, you know, make out downstairs? Okay, oh, sure. Gosh. And then we actually met up and did a crafting session. Oh, <laughs> I, I love, love that. It. Genuine connection. And it was funny, like uh, that video I was talking about where the woman was talking about just like violence permeating like American culture. She was like, yeah, in France, she's like, even when we are both on the same page and clear with each other, like, hey, this is a casual like one night stand or a casual like sexual encounter. She's like, Frenchmen would like give me the full boyfriend experience. Like they'd make me breakfast in the morning. Like they'd help me build furniture. Like they, you know, (laughs) they were just like, you know, it, it didn't, they didn't feel this impetus to reject and be unkind to a woman because she only wanted uh, a certain kind of encounter. Mm. And I feel like that is like kind of, I don't know that it's uniquely American, but it's certainly American. Yes. It's very much a part of our culture. Well, it kind of makes me think of also how like in the world of BDSM that I guess I also explored before it was fucking cool, you know? (laughs) And, you know, when I was new to it, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I would have awful experience with these narcissistic, like super troubled doms that really just needed to go to therapy, but they thought they they could figure, right. Mm -hmm. They thought that they could figure it out in the bedroom. And luckily for me, I was, you know, their victim, you know, but uh, this guy that I was with last night, mm, um, you know, I'm on top of him and we're kissing and I was like, what do you like? And, you know, he was like, I don't know what, exactly what he said, but, you know, he was like, I'm more of a pleasure top, you know, uh, yeah. like, or like a service, like a service top, you know, Ooh. just like, 
like, oh, this is not driven by my narcissism or like my need for, you know, inflicting pain on a woman or, you know, dominating you in like a, a, a gross way. It's like, oh, I see that you enjoy a, a power dynamic. And if that gives you pleasure, then that gives me pleasure. <laughs> oh, the dream. So uh, honest and concise communication, baby. Oh my but God. Communication so hot. So hot. We had a text exchange and there was like a miscommunication and through all my years of living in therapy, I was like, okay, step back. Let me see where I could be responsible. And I went through and I said, I'm sorry, maybe there was a miscommunication about the day we were supposed to, you know, hang out. Right. Let me not be accusatory. And then he immediately wrote back and was like, no, actually I looked back and I see that I wasn't clear with you. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I got fucking wet. wet. That's hot. That is so hot. It takes that little. Like, literally, we are not asking for much. Oh my God. It's, and it's, it's truly mind blowing when you encounter it. It's so like, what? Like, yeah. And now OKCupid okay, has specific questions relating to what we were saying earlier about like, do you want to put a pro-choice sticker on your profile? And when they say no, I'm like, swipe left. Bye-bye. Um, would you be willing to move to a state where abortion is illegal? If they say yes, swipe left. Seriously? You know, or like, um, do you feel you need to openly uh, be expressed about people's rights? And they're like, no, I'm like, no, <laughs> thanks no. for saving my time. No, it's just like this idea. It's like this toxic individualism of like, mm. if it's not good for me, I don't care. Or if it doesn't and, affect me, it's not my problem. Right. Yeah. And like, where have you been the last like three years? You well, know? that that was the last two elections was really yeah. like when I would speak when I would try to have dialogues with friends of mine that have other opinions, when they would express where their views were coming from, it was all just based in like privilege and like, oh, if it doesn't affect me, I don't care about it. Cognitive dissonance. But yet I somehow care about like trans people participating in the, in the Olympics. I, <laughs> Someone got so mad at me recently defending the idea of pronouns and I I like made this whole post that they signed me up for right wing email blasts. And I was like, you really got me. <laughs> that was their punishment. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're gonna get this leftist queer woman. We're gonna sign her up. And today I got an email. I was like, we need to hunt down Hunter Biden. And I was like, I kind of enjoyed these because every time they pop into my email, I'm like, this, this is just dumb. It's really crazy. Wow. It's it's interesting. Wow. We live in an interesting world. <laughs> we really do. I mean, even we have a friend's giving every year. And uh my friend's mom was like, guess what I got today? An email that said you look like you're a registered Republican. And she went, ah! <laughs> Meanwhile, she's a lesbian. It's like, yeah. Oh my God. She's LOL. like, couldn't be, couldn't be further from it, you know? So I am going to a show tonight. I hate to be a party pooper, no. but uh, we should probably wrap things up. We do, I don't know how much Rachel has told you, Miss. I don't think I did. 
But we have something called the Big Deck Energy Cards. Okay. And they are in their beta form for our podcast. Um, And it's similar to uh, kind of like a tarot deck. We'll shuffle them. Rachel will shuffle them and you'll pick one. And um, it's inspired from the name of our show, The Boss Bitch Show. We want to take back words. So we've selected some special words that we would like to redefine. It always, it always hits. It always is <laughs> right so, yeah, to the target. I'm just going to shuffle and you tell me when to stop. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Stop. Okay. Oh, you got upside down pussy. <laughs> so it's good. I just picture somebody, um, you know, that scene from Spider-Man where they're just like their tongue is upside down inside of my pussy. Ooh. Maybe wearing a Spider-Man outfit. So yeah, that's that's going to be my definition for Ooh, well, I think pussy. that's my new fantasy. That is really hot. Wow. Okay, well... The definition of pussy is the warm, wet, elusive domain of power. Oh, yes. And when you get a reverse pussy, it's kind of like, you know, in tarot when it's upside down. Have you forgotten your divine feminine power? You may need to rub that pussy like a magic lamp and remember who the fuck you are. Oh, my God. I need that on this Tuesday, this cold Tuesday. Okay. Gotta talk about divine feminine power. Okay. And uh, the affirmation is I hold the power of the pussy. She is my divine feminine creator. I may bleed, but I won't die. I am strong, resilient, and a beautiful bitch. Oh, love you, pussy. You are a beautiful bitch. Mm. Here's to that. Indeed. It's been interesting recently because, um, you know, there are some men uh, who wear our boss bitch hats and they have been getting some interesting reactions in the world. Yeah, yeah, both, you know, uh, men who identify as gay or straight, you know, um, yeah, the world is like... (gasps) whether it's the word bitch a man wearing the word bitch it's yeah very interesting oh so interesting toss it I, up and throw some pussy in their face i love the men who wear our hats yeah i love them like i just i have so much admiration and love for men that are like yeah boss bitch you yep. know exactly so miss giggles miss megan can you please tell our listeners where to follow you and any other tidbits you want to share? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can follow me at Miss Giggles, M-S-G-I-G-G-G-L-E-S or my website, MeganIxum.com. Amazing. Well, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you here as our guest and to see your beautiful face. Are you going to be offering any more like 
fabulous classes. Yeah, I think in January, I should be offering um, a social media class and maybe something that has to get in touch with like, you know, maybe a workshop in person, you know, getting in touch with our bodies and exploring pleasure. We'll see. Mm. Sign me up. (laughs) Well, it's been such a pleasure. It was so lovely to meet you. And thank you for doing the show. Yay. Yay. Thank you.